Broadcasting from the Unshackled Studios in Melbourne, this is Will's Front, brought to you by theunshackled.net. Now here's Tim Wills. Hello everyone and welcome back for this week's Wilmsfront featured interview show on this Sunday, the 19th of March, 2023. We are live on YouTube on the Unshackled's channel, the Tim Wilms D-Live channel, and of course the Wilmsfront Odyssey channel. Also live on Entropy, uh, where you can uh, send through a question for my guest tonight, or even better yet, send through a super chat to support the show. It is 8.30 p.m. here in Melbourne, Victoria, but tonight's focus will be north of the Murray with the New South Wales state election less than a week away on Saturday, the 25th of March. Remember, The Unshackled will be broadcasting election night live stream at 6 p.m. when the polls close. The 93-seat lower house result will decide if Premier Dominic Perrottet, a Liberal, is re-elected or if the Labor opposition leader Chris Minns ends 12 years of coalition government. But it is the makeup of the 42-member Upper House, where 21 will be elected via proportional representation this election. Uh, that uh, that The makeup of that House will determine who holds the government to account. A pro-freedom crossbench would ensure a check on both government power and the legislation intends to pass. My guest tonight is lead candidate of the New South Wales Group B uh, for the Legislative Council, National Director of the United Australia Party and the former federal member for Hughes, Craig Kelly. Welcome back to Wilmsfront. Yeah, no, great to be with you tonight on a, on a rather warm, uh, warm Sydney's evening. You know, we had a bit of a warm day here in Sydney, so it's uh, back to our normal uh, summer's weather or late early autumn uh, weather. It's uh, we sort of had such a cold and uh, mild summer that uh, a lot of people have forgotten what a warm day's like. Oh, it's been warm here in in Melbourne. We had a thirty plus day yesterday. The the, the AFL players uh, they, they they were playing in the the summer heat, which is almost unheard of. Mm. It's, um, we have had in Sydney here probably, I think, our, our mildest uh, or our coolest uh, summer uh, on record. Uh, that's even with the, uh, the Bureau of Meteorology relocating Sydney's uh, temperature gauge, where Sydney's uh, official temperatures are taken, relocating it to a new location, which measures uh, at least a degree hotter uh, so they can inflate the, inflate the temperatures. But even taking that into account, We've really had a, a, a cool summer, so it's actually a pleasant change, a little bit of warm weather, weather uh, I think, but it's made everyone sort of struggle a little bit today. Well, it's great we're able to enjoy it now, uh, which sadly wasn't the case uh, throughout large parts of 2020 and 2021. I first uh, spoke to you back in May 2020. I mean, you were still in the Liberal Party in that time. We'd just come out of the first national lockdown and as we now know it got a whole lot worse with more lockdowns i mean my home city victoria was the world's most locked down and probably the most brutally locked down and then uh followed uh, the mask and vaccine mandates and passport it really was a horrific part of australia's history it will go down as one of the dark chapters uh, of australia's history when our senior politicians and health bureaucrats ignored the science, 
Remember, there was absolutely no science behind these lockdowns whatsoever. It was contrary to all the other uh, pandemic uh, preparations that had been discussed. It was done for political reasons. Uh, and a lot of people suffered. Uh, a lot of people lost their businesses. Um, there was a lot of the hardship that was occurred simply because a few politicians thought they could make themselves more popular in the short term. And as as I was uh, as we were saying that uh, people are out enjoying the 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 heat, uh, the the whole horror uh, seems to have been memory hold. I mean, you go go to out uh, anywhere. I mean, you still like the the COVID legacy is that you still see a number of people wearing masks, including alone in their 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 cars, uh, but it. It's like it it never happened uh, the the way that most people are are living now. But there's still people who are denied employment. There's still vaccine mandates in Victoria, New South Wales, uh, various other states in various occupations. Uh, for some people, their life is it's still upside down. Look, this is this is beyond an outrage that here we are in March 2023, and we've got companies and government bureaucracies still enforcing vaccine mandates. Look, you know, if you go back to the, the very start of the COVID period, um, the only excuse for vaccine mandates, and then I'll say excuse because it was always a breach of human rights to, to put in some uh, standard or to use coercion to force someone to undergo a medical intervention is an abuse of human rights. There's, there's a treaty that Australia signed up to called the uh, International Treaty on Bioethics and Human Rights, which specifically says that you can't use coercion or prejudice or disadvantage uh, to force someone to undergo a medical intervention. And that's exactly what these mandates are. But the only excuse at the time was, oh, we need these mandates in place because they will stop transmission. That was the only excuse that they had for the mandates. Now, we can see that the science is now 100% clear on that. These vaccines do not reduce transmission of the virus. And not only do they not uh, also infection, again, the studies are, are clear on this now. The more, the more times you've been injected, the more likely you actually are to have COVID. So if you want to say to have a, a mandate in a workplace, the vaccine-free workers are less likely to have COVID and therefore less likely to transmit it to someone. Uh, so that there is just no excuse for these mandates. Um, it is a small group of vaccine fanatics that will not admit that they were wrong and that do not care that they are abusing human rights and do not care about the suffering and hardship they are causing to their fellow Australians. These people are an absolute disgrace and they need to be called out, every single one of them. And we had a well, the, the 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 prime minister, former prime minister, who uh, was the prime minister Scott Morrison, who well uh, made it untenable for you to remain in the Liberal Party. Tried to completely rewrite history, which is typical Scott Morrison, which is why even many on the uh, the right uh, conservatives don't miss him saying that oh i never my government never supported any vaccine mandate apart from these uh, sensitive uh, settings and oh, that wasn't the health advice we uh, received it was just extraordinary 
well, just just also just go back one step. If you're sitting somewhere in New South Wales or, or Victoria uh, or anywhere in Australia tonight, there are ambulance officers that are not working uh, because they've been mandated out of their, their jobs. So our ambulance services are not uh, fully as fully resourced as they should otherwise be. So if you ha have a medical emergency or someone in your family has a medical emergency tonight and you have to dial triple zero and you pick up the phone and, and request an ambulance to come to your house, that ambulance is likely to be delayed or may not come at all because ambulance drivers that are unvaccinated are sitting at home being pre prevented from working by state premiers. So these people that are maintaining these vaccine mandates are actually putting lives at risk. This is how desperate this situation is. Not only is it against the science and, and the abuse of human rights, these people are so pig-headed and they are so stubborn, they are putting, they're continuing to put lives at risk. We saw in Victoria a report uh, earlier this year. They said, what, there was 30-something deaths that could be attributed to delays in ambulances turning up to, to people? Now, the delays in those ambulances, because you had ambulance officers sitting at home that had been told by Dan Andrews' regime that they couldn't go to work because they had undergone a medical intervention. Dan Andrews and his regime should be responsible and those people that put those mandates in for every one of those 30 deaths of their fellow Australians. And they're continuing today across Australia because of this mad fanaticism. Now, when it comes to the Prime Minister, I was just flabbergasted when I saw that interview. You know, like, talk about uh, trying to rewrite history. So I, for the process, I didn't put any vaccine mandates in the place. Well, hang on a minute. I can remember there was a time where you couldn't leave the country unless you'd been fully in, in so-called yeah. fully injected, which remember, which is a, a term fully injected used to mean two, then it means three, then right there. So, so the prime minister, uh, the, the federal government controls the borders of this country. They put in regulations that prevented uh, you know, a North Korea, a Cuba style of uh, interventions that prevented Australians from leaving their country unless they had a vaccine passport. They are the regulations that Scott Morrison put in. And Scott Morrison also put in regulations that threw uh, Novak Djokovic out of this country because he decided he didn't want to go uh, undergo an experimental medical intervention. That was the Prime Minister of this country throwing Djokovic out of the out of the place because he hadn't had uh, because he was mandated to have an injection and the Prime Minister said I, I had nothing to do with this it's just the Prime Minister was secretly cheering on every state government mandate every uh, company that put a mandate in the Prime Minister was cheering it on and he made it possible by changing the laws in the federal parliament that allowed people to uh, access private medical records it was just absolutely uh, outrageous that from the former Prime Minister. I think the reason he's done it is he knows now, he's seeing the writing, he's seeing the evidence of how catastrophic these vaccine mandates were, how people have actually lost their lives because of them. I've spoken to uh, several uh, parents uh, of, of young teenagers and uh, you know, people in their 20s, uh, parents that have lost their child because and I've asked them, shortly they died shortly after being uh, uh, injected. And it's very clear that uh, although you can never prove these things 100%, um, it's very clear that the, the vaccines were, you know, highly probable cause of their death. 
and you ask the parents, would have they got injected but for these mandates? And they say no. So we've had Australians that have lost their lives because of these vaccine mandates. The Prime Minister now knows this. He knows how wrong he was. And I think he's trying to backpedal and rewrite history to create himself an alibi because there will be a day of reckoning in this. Uh, the, uh, every day, more and more people are waking up. Every day, the evidence becomes clearer uh, how detrimental these vaccine mandates were, how many in our public service committed malfeasance, uh, how these vaccine companies committed fraud, uh, how they manipulated their study results, how they left people that were injured, catastrophically injured by these vaccines, how they left them out of the studies, uh, how they never conducted things like a carcinogenic studies uh, originally. I have the data shows that the, ori the original Pfizer trial data actually shows that you are more likely to die if you're in the vaccinated group than you're in the placebo group. Now, all these things they hid from the public and they lied. These people have got to be held to account for the catastrophic damage that they've done to lives and also what they've done to the economy of this country. And also Scott Morrison, his government directed coalition MPs and senators to vote against uh, Pauline Hanson and Malcolm Roberts' uh, bill uh, to repeal or ban vaccine mandates and passports. Uh, there was uh, five uh, coalition senators who uh, defied him. Uh, shout out to Alex Antic, uh, Jared Rennick. Uh, the, well, she was uh, dumped. Uh, Conchetta Veravanti-Wells, so was uh, Sam McMahon. And, uh, well, Matt Canavan's also there from the National Party as well. Well, I introduced uh, uh, the original bills into the House of Representatives. Uh, two separate bills I introduced that would have made uh, vaccine passports, vaccine mandates. Uh, one would have made it simply illegal. Uh, the second one was to bring in that provision of international human rights law. So you could have declared anyone uh, which would have made uh, anyone putting in a vaccine mandate an abuser of human rights under Australian law and therefore liable for sanctions because of that. I put those two bills before the House of Representatives and, and Pauline from One Nation was good. Um, she copied those bills um, and, you know, almost word for word, but I'm, I'm very grateful for her to, to do that uh, and took them later to the Senate. But in the House of Reps, I only had George Christensen and Lou O'Brien from the Nationals support me. The rest of the Liberal Party had the opportunity to vote against and to stop these vaccine mandates to stop this abuse of human rights, to stop this uh, violations of people's freedoms. They had multiple opportunities to vote with me in the House of Representatives. They also had multiple opportunities later in the Senate and every time they elected to vote against them. May, look, it should be very clear. Uh, Morrison had limited scope to bring in vaccine mandates, uh, but he did, which he did with uh, at the time there for leaving the country, but he had the power absolutely to stop them. He had that power. There were numerous ways under the Constitution that he had he had constitutional power to end the vaccine mandates across every state in both the public sector and the private sector. And he didn't do so because he wanted to see as many Australians injected to get that number as high as he possibly could so he could use it as a way to try and uh, uh, advance his own political fortunes in the short term. And we see how what eventually happened in the long term when you do that. 
there's as you said there's also uh private companies still uh, have vaccine mandates in place mm-hmm. i spoke previously with uh, graham hood i uh, quanta still has its vaccine mandate for workers and and uh, coles they recently after everybody pointed out their hypocrisy with their everyone welcome at our table uh, ads uh, they the their health advice uh, changed that uh, they no longer i uh, mandating the the vaccines or requiring that uh, their staff have had uh, uh, two uh, COVID vaccines. Let's first go to Qantas. Qantas, by its continuing with, by firstly implementing them at all, but continuing with those vaccine mandates today, Qantas are abusers of human rights. I know Qantas like to be this woke company that, uh, you know, we saw what they did in Australian rugby in Israel Falau. Uh, they love to be this work company that thinks they are so wonderful and so virtuous. Let's be very clear. Qantas are abusers of human rights. So if you are sitting on the board of Qantas, you are sitting on the board of company and sanctioning decisions that are an abuse of human rights. History will condemn these directors and these senior managers of Qantas for what they, what they have done and how they have abused human rights. They'll be recorded for all time as abuses of human rights, and they deserve uh, every little bit of bad publicity they, that they get because their conduct has been absolutely shocking in this. What they did to Graham Hood and other pilots, forcing them out uh, of the industry that they loved and, and destroying people's careers uh, really should be... They, these people really need to be held to account. They, In my opinion, uh, not only do these mandates have to end, but all these human rights abusing companies like Qantas should be forced to back pay every person that they forced out of the job that didn't, uh, that they tried to use coercion to force them to undergo a medical intervention. Uh, they should be made to back pay these people. Well, uh, again, that is something that uh, the uh, government uh, through Fair Work Act could, uh, could implement, uh, but we certainly aren't expecting that and uh, now well, just, just one thing i'll bring up on that issue recently we had the premier uh, of new south wales now we know that uh, dan andrews down there is a complete maniac uh just ignores the science and ran around election night saying the vaccines work the vaccines work you know oh, he said that uh, we believe in science and that uh yeah, yeah. Just, degrees of vindication for the science yeah, he believes anyone that goes around saying these COVID vaccine works doesn't believe in the science they believe in superstition that's what they believe in, because the science is absolutely crystal clear. Uh, the more you're injected with these things, the more likely, this is not Craig Kelly making this up, this is a study published in The Lancet, the more injections that you have over time, the more likely you are to contract COVID. That's peer-reviewed science today, and that damages. But we're getting under the New South Wales Premier. He said recently in an interview, oh, I'm against the mandates. He said, I'm against them all. So I don't believe in them. And, and then he said, I don't have the power to do anything about them. <laughs> now, again, either the man is, this is the Premier of the state, Dominic Perrottet, either the man is completely incompetent or he's completely unfit to be the Premier of this state. Firstly, in, in the public sector, he can call these bureaucrats into his office and say, I'll tell you what, You've got until three three o'clock this afternoon or end of business this afternoon to end those mandates. And if you don't, by nine o'clock, you'll be out of a job. 
That's the power he has as premier. He can bring these department heads in, bring the ministers in, lay the law down to them. But to say he can't do anything is, is, is just it's a pathetic weakness. It, it shows he's unfit to be premier. Someone that is that weak, that won't stand up for his beliefs, should not be the premier of his state. And, and the second way he can do it, he's got the legislative power. There's a New South Wales Discrimination Act, which I'm sure there's a, a state-based act. I'm sure there's a, a similar act in Victoria that basically says you cannot discriminate unfit, you cannot discriminate against someone right, in the workplace because of age, sex, marital status, uh, disability status, carers' responsibilities, and even transgender issues. All they have to do is take COVID vaccine status, clip it on to those other things you can't, uh, makes it unlawful to discriminate in the workplace. And the New South Wales Premier, Dominic Perrottet, could outlaw these vaccine mandates through the parliament in the private sector if he had the backbone to do so. But he's shown he, he doesn't have the backbone. He doesn't have the spine. He doesn't have the conviction of his beliefs. And therefore, I think he's forfeited uh, his right uh, to be Premier of the state. And I recall his health minister, Brad Hazard, who thankfully is retiring. Hey, don't, don't, get, don't get me started here. You wind me right up when you start talking about that bloke. But I recall that couldn't he turn your lives upside down with just a, a stroke of a pen, a public health order, yet Dominic Perrottet is powerless, so I, can't, I have no power uh, to remove these mandates. Look, um, uh, Mr Brad Hazard, thankfully... He's retiring from politics uh, at, at this election. Uh, his his pomposity, uh, his arrogance, uh, his ignorance uh, of the facts uh, and the data uh, has just been something that I thought I would never see from a, a Liberal uh, Member of Parliament. Uh, he has pushed, he has done such damage to the Liberal Party here uh, in New South Wales. He has pushed tens of thousands of people away from the Liberal Party that will never vote for the Liberal Party again because of the conduct of this bloke. Who was, he got the nickname Brad Health Hazard because the decisions that he put in, uh, the aggressive nature uh, that he went about things, uh, you know, the, the refusal to, you know, they talk about someone that buries their head in the sand and refuses to listen to the evidence. And, and, and one of the last things that Hazard did was we had a report in New South Wales that they used to put it out weekly. And it was hospitalizations and ICU admissions by vac by vaccination status. And the last and this so every week you would get a report and uh, for week after week after week it would show the number of people in New South Wales with COVID hospitalized on ICU was zero or one or zero two, right? as compared to the hospitalisation uh, of the people uh, that had four doses or more, was in the hundreds. In fact, the last report they put out, there was 800 and something people in, in hospital in New South Wales with COVID that had been jabbed four times or more and zero a ducking. They couldn't find a single person in New South Wales hospital with COVID that was vaccine free. And so what did Hazard and the New South Wales bureaucrats do? They hid the data. They're now putting that report out and they've hid the data from the New South Wales public because they don't want, they're embarrassed by it. It shows they were wrong. So in typical, uh, I would say, corrupt bureaucratic fashion, 
they've decided to hide the data from the New South Wales public. Yes, I have noticed in my my own research that there was that uh, change in uh, reporting. It would go, uh, will certainly go over a, a lot of mainstream reporters' heads, uh, but it's certainly noteworthy. Oh, well, uh, you, now, expect, uh, you expect the you expect the ABC to report on this? The, we talk about the mainstream media. The conduct of the mainstream media during this COVID period, especially led by the ABC, has been an absolute disgrace. Absolute disgrace. They have been shills for the vaccine industry, shills for big pharma. They have censored and they have silenced open and free debate. And they have they put by things, the misinformation that the ABC has put to air time and time again has been an absolute disgrace. The ABC, this, this was should have been the moment that the ABC stood up and shone as an independent media outlet. You know, they can show we're not affected. You know, the commercial outlets, you could argue, they're influenced by big farmers' cash. That was, you know, that and this is why this is the aim why you need an independent ABC, because they will argue the alternate case. They'll put both sides of the argument to air. They cannot be influenced by big farmers' cash. But in this COVID period, the ABC has failed on their statutory duty about are giving uh, both sides of the argument air and has simply reported bias, misinformation from start to finish on COVID, all to the advantage of Big Pharma. Well, and the commercial media, they've been just as bad. I mean, there was the uh, infamous uh, Today Show interview where you went on in, in good faith and Alison Langdon, who's now been promoted to a current affair, berated you uh, for your views. And then fast forward uh, to uh, this year, we have Carl Stefanovic uh, uh, chatting with, with Dr. Nick Coatsworth saying like, look, I've had enough of these vaccines. And Dr. Nick Coatsworth, our former deputy chief, medical officer saying like look you don't don't need to be afraid we we don't need you don't need to scare people anymore it was interesting if you look at that original interview you can see that uh miss langdon was uh uh there um you know being very aggressive and you can see carl stefanovic actually sitting back and you look at some of the faces uh, he's pulling is, is this alison langdon uh, embarrassed herself made racist comments about uh Bangladeshis, I think there was a study done by, you know, they said, but he's a Bangladeshi, you know, as though uh, uh, Bangladeshis can't be good doctors. She should go out and apologise to all the Bangladeshis in uh, in parts of Sydney and Melbourne for that racist statement uh, that she made. Uh, her, her ignorance on the subject uh, of early treatment with ivermectin and things like this. And I think she one time she said, I, I went online overnight and I, I rebutted everything. I rebutted 50 peer-reviewed studies or something like it was, it was absolutely fanciful for what she said, and I think uh, history, you know, history will record how what an embarrassing and uh, disgraceful interview that was. But if you look at it, Carl Stefanovic is there, and look at some of the faces Carl's uh, saying. He knew he wanted to speak out against the compulsive nature of these vaccines. He wanted to speak out against the mandates, but he was being silenced by his bosses. They told him you can't say it. As it happened to so many other media personalities that I know personally that I've spoken with, they were silenced by their management when they wanted to talk out. They were told, if you speak out, you'll be taken off air. And, of course, you know, the other week, Carl, let's drop that, you know, I'm over, I'm done with the vaccines. And the fact that that was allowed to go to air 
shows how much this debate has swung around uh, over the past 12 months. Now let's move to the, the New South Wales election campaign where we're both uh, the, the the major party leaders, uh, they certainly don't want to remind the voters at all uh, about what they did to the people in, in 2020 and 2021 and what they're still doing to to some people. Uh, but uh, it's all very, the Dominic Perrottet and Chris Minns, it's all very, you know, what's the word, gentlemanly on a super superficial level. Like Chris Minns, he's trying to come across as a likeable, friendly guy. So uh, which is in contrast to Dan Andrews here, who's super aggressive, com combative, really nasty person. And so I think Chris Minns is trying to say, look, I'm friendly, uh, safe guy. Look, I play the uh, ACDC on the guitar. I'm, I'm really cool. But it's, he doesn't have much of an agenda. And then you have uh, Dom, Dom Perrottet. You said that he's sacrificed his his principles i mean it's pretty much on everything like if you go back to his uh, what he wrote on social media or for news organ news organizations five years ago uh it almost it, it, it what he's saying now the most it, it's almost like you know, matt keen's uh got, got his hands up the the back making dom perrote mm -hmm. say these things matt keen his uh oh, loyal deputy well, Matt King, we nicknamed Matt Green here in New South Wales because he's a bloke that all his ideology and policy comes straight from the hardcore socialist left of the Green Party. But somehow or other, he's now uh, a treasurer of the state and in charge of charge of any. But look, we just go back in, in a little bit in history in New South Wales. Twelve years ago, the Labor Party was thrown out in New South Wales as a corrupt rabble. They had Christina, you know, the the hopelessly incompetent Christina Keneally was their leader. Uh, they tried to put this perfume scent uh, across what was a, a stinking, a corrupt cabal uh, of Labor Party members uh, that had been in there, that had rorted the place. Uh, they put Christina in trying to throw a, an air of, you know, try to perfume over the stench. And she got something like it was in the 20% odd uh, a primary vote for the Labor Party. The Labor Party were absolutely smashed. And since then, they've just gone quiet for uh, 12 years. But the same, uh, the same structure that we saw that led to that uh, stinking uh, kettle of fish, the corruption of the Labor Party was when they lost the last thing, is still all there. They've just got different, per different people there wanting to get their hands back on power and the cycle will start all over again. So the New South Wales Liberals have basically had a, a – um, they've had like a, a, a free kick for the last uh, several elections. And instead of getting on and doing the job that really needs to be done, securing the energy base uh, of the state, making sure we, we don't go like the states of Victoria uh, and Queensland, especially Victoria with the escalating uh, electricity prices, um, you know, destruction and crushing of human rights, they had the New South Wales government had the chance to do something like we've seen as um, uh, Senator Governor Ron DeSantos has done in Florida. They had a template there to follow in Ron DeSantis in Florida. And we've seen the results of what uh, DeSantos, he's taken uh, in four, four years, he took from what was a equivalent in our Australian two-party preferred terms to basically a 50-50. He just fell across the line at the previous election. At the recent election, uh, Ron DeSantos has won that 40-60. He's had a 10% swing to him. 
unprecedented 10% swing. Now, that should have been the template that the New South Wales government should have been following. But instead, they've gone woke, they've gone left, uh, they've tried to appeal to people in the left that will never vote for the coalition in a month of Sundays. And it looks like now they're about to be thrown out of office uh, and we're going to have Labor parties uh, everywhere uh, on the mainland of Australia, in every mainland state, and also federally. Uh, this is this is you know you need the um, you know to people that are, are are conservative voters to have the Labor Party having so much power uh, across the nation. Uh, it must really be of a concern. And it's happened because we've had Liberal Party members and Liberal parties being infiltrated and infested. Uh, by left-wing uh, acolytes and left-wing agitators that have pushed the Liberal Party to the left where they're unelectable and they no longer fight the fight and they wonder why they're in opposition. And you also had Dominic Perrottet make a captain's call to sign New South Wales up to the the, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice to, to Parliament. Does the United Australia Party have a position on the, the voice? Do. We do. We oppose the referendum. Uh, we need to be very careful with any constitutional change uh, that we make. Um, this constitutional change will embed a racially discriminatory prohibition in our constitution. Our constitution should be blind to people's race or ethnicity. If you're an Australian, you're an Australian, you're an Australian. Full stop. That's how it should be is also based on a, a false assumption that uh, somehow Indigenous Australians are currently don't have a voice to Parliament. Now, uh, firstly, we've got more, as percentage terms, we've got more Indigenous parliamentarians in the federal parliament as a percentage terms than we have in percentage terms of Indigenous Australians. You've got someone like uh, Linda Burney, who has the ear of the Prime Minister every single day. So here we are, someone... A senior uh, uh, Indigenous politician with the ear of the Prime Minister able to basically bring in legislation as she wants, making out that uh, Indigenous people don't have a voice. This is so that the, the concept is wrong. The concept is also wrong. It assumes that um, all Indigenous Australians speak with sort of this one voice. You know, the, 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 the wants and needs and political views on issues of Indigenous Australians. As white as any other group, like a group of Indigenous Australians uh, you know, in inner city Melbourne are completely different to a view of uh, Indigenous Australians living up in the Torres Strait Islands. So the idea that you just have this one monolithic voice that speaks for all Indigenous Australians, again, is just a completely and utterly flawed concept. And finally, if, if Mr Albanese wants to have somebody to advise his government, from Indigenous Australians or Greek Australians, you, you want to—if you wanted a body uh, uh, of Greek Australians to advise you about issues that concern Greek Australians or Australians of Greek background—he can set it up. He doesn't—he he can legislate it. He doesn't need to de do this through the constitution, lock it in through a constitutional change. So, uh, my recommendation uh, to anyone—I'll be uh, voting no uh, against this change. Um, I'll be encouraging other people to vote no, and the United Australia Party will be actively uh, campaigning uh, for a no vote because I believe this will actually do a lot of harm 
to race relations uh, in Australia. And we certainly do not want to embed in our constitution uh, any uh, racially discriminatory pro any, uh, uh, clauses or prohibitions. Will the United Australia Party be active in the referendum, which Albanese he's uh, finally given a, a month, uh, October, for the referendum? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we will go out uh, and we will campaign against it. I'll campaign against it. Uh, I know Senator Babbitt, uh, from our Victorian Senator in the federal parliament, will be uh, campaigning uh, against it because we believe this is wrong for Australia. It's, it's one of those short-term, feel-good, you know, uh, political things that come from time, you know, fashionable things that come in from time to time, but it's based on flawed uh, concepts uh, and it should be rejected by the Australian people. Uh, and we will continue to speak out uh, and raise our voices against it uh, so that people, uh, at the very least, can consider uh, both options uh, of this debate. Uh, Ralph Babbitt, our uh, Senator for Victoria, he has been so excellent. I mean, you're an excellent speaker and uh, well researched as well, and and he is uh, as well. He was oh, Ra Ralph's done a uh, excellent Senator choice. Babbitt, Ralph was like, I could call him. Now. Look, he's done a remarkable job in a very short period of time. Like, I know you, you go into that federal parliament, and it's a pretty daunting place uh, when you first get there, especially when you're not from any uh, political background, which 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 Ralph wasn't. Uh, you know, to go, I know when you go in there, it takes you, it took me a good 12 months to work out who's who, uh, how all the processes work. Um, you know, it, it, it's a very steep uh, learning curve uh, to go in there. I, mean, I was there for, for 12 years. Ralph's been there for less than a year. And he's really, uh, he's really shown that he's going to be a great senator, hopefully for many, many years to come. And he is absolutely in sync with the United Australia Party platform. I mean, we know the history of the first lot of when they were called Palmer United Party Senators. Uh, the saying is that in politics, a party movement is always better the, the second time around. I mean, we've seen that with Pauline Hanson, Malcolm Roberts and uh, uh, One Nation. And it looks to be the same with the... Uh, the United Australia Party. Look, it's a, it's a, um, the way our media cover, covers politics in this nation, uh, the legislation that we have in place, uh, it makes it pretty hard to break through uh, the two party, two party system, especially the way the media cover the elect elections is almost like a, a U.S. presidential elections. It's, uh, you know, uh, it was Albanese versus Morrison, and now it's Dutton versus uh, Albanese. It's very hard for a, a third minor party uh, to get a look in. But look, I think uh, uh, that's changing. I think we've seen um, the Liberal Party basically walk away from what were its traditional uh, values. Uh, and more and more people every day are coming across to, uh, you know, whether it's United Australia Party, the Liberal Democrats, uh, uh, One Nation. Um, you know, ultimately, we guys on the, which I would say on the right side of the, uh, the Liberal Party, we've ultimately got to get our act together. Uh, and make sure that we're all working together. And I think we are seeing that now uh, in the federal parliament where you've got Malcolm Roberts and, and Ralph Babbitt uh, working, Malcolm Roberts from One Nation, working so closely together uh, with Ralph. You see that cooperation in the federal parliament and you see uh, liberal members that are actually upholding their oath of office and upholding the values of the Liberal Party. I'm talking about senators like uh, Gerard Rennick uh, from Queensland 
uh, Senator Alex Antic uh, from uh, South Australia. You can see how these guys are actually, you know, we, we talk about the, you see the pictures of them sitting together. I, you know, I saw the, in the picture, I said, uh, a few good men, I think it's got a couple of hundred thousand likes on uh, one of my social media feeds, but it's, it's true. To see them all uh, from different parties, all apps, apps actually concerned about the welfare of this nation, are prepared to take on the wokeness uh, and the political correctness, uh, really gives us a good base to work for for, for the future. Now let's uh, fo uh, go into focus on the the upper house uh, legislative council contest in New South Wales. So, oh, it's different a different electoral system than Victoria, which is eight five-member regions, uh, the only state that still uses group voting tickets, while in New South Wales, it's the the the, the whole state and every, uh, every, every upper house member is elected for eight years, so 21 of the 42 are up every four years. Now, Group B is uh, the, Uni the United Australia Party uh, couldn't get registered for New South Wales. And if you look at Group A, uh, which Lyle Shelton is the, the lead candidate, Family First couldn't uh, either. Uh, now, I know the answer to this question because I was in the Liberal Democrats uh, uh, for many years. So I know how or grueling the New South Wales electoral process registering a party in New South Wales mm. is for new parties. Mm. Yeah, look, um, it's, in, this is interesting. Uh, in Victoria, uh, if you're in, under our electoral system, you have to register your party not only nationally, but you have to register it separately in every single state. So even if you're registered federally, that doesn't count in the states. You've got to register separately. So in Victoria, uh, we were able to register the party uh, you know, a, a month out from the election campaign. Uh, New South Wales has this arcane rule, again, to protect the incumbent uh, Liberal and Labor parties, that you can't register a new party uh, within 18 months of the election campaign. So effectively, even though we've got a party, we've got a party structure, we've got party members, uh, because we didn't fill out the correct paperwork 18 months ago, we can't uh, contest the, this coming New South Wales state election as United Australia Party, so we're contesting it simply as an as an independent uh, independent team. And that way, you went through the um, uh, on the ballot paper. Um, again, in New South Wales, the upper house is statewide, so everyone across New South Wales will get the same ballot for the upper house. Uh, you've got an option of voting what they call above the line or below the line. Simply, if you vote below the line, your vote is more powerful. You're able to allocate the preferences where you want them to go. You must, if you're voting below the line, you must number at least 15 squares uh, from 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, all up to 15. You can number more. Uh, the more squares that you number, the more powerful uh, your vote is. So I'd encourage people to vote below the line. Uh, hopefully, you know, consider putting my independent team first. They'll vote 1 through to 9, but there are other good uh, freedom-based parties in there. And uh, let's hope we can give this, uh, you know, people consider uh, voting for us at this coming election. Because, as we said, the, the major parties uh, here in New South Wales are just a complete, uh, complete and utter rabble. And you need, you need the upper house of parliament to be a real check and balance on the power of the lower house. That was the 
traditional Westminster system. Remember, the Westminster system we inherited had the House of Lords in the UK. So you've got the House of Commons and the House of Lords, and the, the House of Lords was meant to be a check and balance on the power of the lower house. Now, when we set up uh, our uh, national parliament, our upper house was meant to represent the states. That's why we had uh, New South Wales had the same number of senators as did Tasmania or South Australia, because it was meant to protect the interests of the states. But in federal politics, and in, in the same ways in the states, those upper houses have become uh, basically uh, po political partisan upper houses where it gets controlled by either the Labor Party or the Liberal Party. I believe it's very important that the upper houses of parliament are controlled by independent members of independent members or of the minor parties that will actually scrutinise the legislation and will hold the government of the day, the lower house, to account. That is what you want in a Westminster system. And if you just vote for the same party in the upper house as you do the lower house, you are just giving a lot of these corrupt politicians uh, a rubber stamp uh, where the checks, balance and scrutiny of a Westminster system are thrown out the window. And obviously other uh, choices for uh, freedom, uh, freedom-loving New South Welsh people and uh, conservatives and libertarians, obviously the, the big uh, jug juggernaut, uh, the protest vote uh, could go to One Nation led by Mark Latham because well, he's certainly set the standard um, holding those ministers to account. And then there's obviously uh, John Ruddick, uh, the lead candidate for the Liberal Democrats, a, another ex-Liberal. He he wrote the book on uh, Make the Liberal Party Great Again, but in the end decided it couldn't be made great. Look, um, both uh, uh, both John Ruddick uh, and uh, Mark, uh, Mark Latham are, uh, are people who are holding the highest respect. Uh, I hope they both, as well as myself, I, I hope they both get, uh, get elected uh, at this election campaign. I also hope uh, Mark's uh, number two, a lady called Tanya Mahalik, that was a former Labor uh, MP uh, for the seat, uh, seat down here of uh, Bankstown, that walked away in the Labor Party in disgust because of the corruption that was going on there. Um, but one thing I say to people, no matter which of these minor freedom parties that you vote for, vote below the line of issue and use your preferences. Because if you just vote, uh, say, for example, if you just put one above the line for the Liberal Democrats, if the Liberal Democrats are unsuccessful, your vote's lost. It doesn't go anywhere. Uh, uh, even if they are successful, the hangover quota, so you need, I think it's about 4.5% to get a quota up. So even the hangover vote that could go and help get another freedom candidate elected gets lost. So my recommendation is however you want to vote, Vote below the line. Make your vote as powerful as it possibly can. Number at least 15 squares, uh, more if you'd like, uh, and make sure your, your preferences are allocated to other like-minded freedom parties. Now, when you were campaigning in Victoria last year at the, the federal election, uh, you were assaulted on the, the back of the, the head with an egg by a totalitarian thug. Well, it was a what you call a targeted uh, political uh, hit. And I noticed that uh, the woman who, who did it, she, she, she stepped back 
uh, immediately in case you're inclined to uh, or, or Fraser Anning her and give her a few few slaps. Yeah. But you you took the moral high ground and uh, called her a de- disgrace to uh, democracy. And they they made quite a quick getaway, but they were eventually uh, hunted down by authorities. But at, at all that ex- at great expense to the taxpayer. The police resources that would have gone into it on the day, uh, on the day there was I think a dozen police officers. This was a, a this could have ended in a in a complete melee. Uh, you know, this woman and, and two accomplices, uh, she stalked stalked me. So it was premeditated. It wasn't something the spirit man premeditated assault. Uh, they stalked me in a public uh, park. Uh, they snuck up uh, behind me uh, uh, to to bash me across the back of the head. Oh yeah, it's an egg. It's an egg. She gave me a whack across the back of the head. The uh, the fact that it was an egg makes no difference. You can't whack people uh, across the across the back. It was politically political violence, and that is a fascist ideology that you use violence against your political opponents. And that's what these people for they call themselves anti tifa anti fascists. These people are fascists to their boot lace and their black boots that they wear. Uh, if you use violence uh, against your political opponent, you are a fascist, and that's what these people are. Um, yeah, and, and amazingly, the resources that you know, the, the police then have to hunt them down, check them out, take them to court, do all the briefings in the court. Right? And guess what the, the fine was? $300 and no conviction recorded. That's a fraction of a COVID fine i mean they were uh some of them several thousand dollars if you you like had a gathering of more than two people in in public and they Mm. assault a member of of parliament and it it is it is a it it, like it does have an impact hitting hitting anyone with anything from the the back back of the head and it's meant to have a a chilling effect as well that's the point of political violence and Mm. that's the the minuscule fine for that that uh, that attack i i i wrote to the victorian police uh, and asked them to appeal Against the con- the conviction or the the, the slap on you know, with a wet leather sleeve that this uh, this woman received because her accomplices, right? she had two accomplices in this that were filming the incident, uh, got nothing, got nothing, not even a, not even a fine uh, against them. Yet they should have been equally as part as the uh, a part of the planned assault that they did. But look, the the real danger on this is the precedent that it sets. So what that magistrate has now sent a message that if there's a, a politician that you don't agree with that you can sneak up you can plan an attack on them sneak up behind them hit them across the back of the head be so brazen about it that you film it to post it on social media and make a hero of yourself amongst all your fascist mates and you get a $300 fine and no conviction recorded that 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 basically that that magistrate has basically sent a signal that it is open season on politicians in Victoria, that we can, we are that we are punching bags, and we can be assaulted uh, if someone doesn't like our, our policies. This is a a very very dangerous precedent that has been set. And I'd also like you know, to consider the question: 
if it was just say it was Dan Andrews, oh. someone snuck up behind and, 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 and hit, or or Anthony Albanese, or um, uh, you know one of the other Greens Greens leaders, or Adam Bant, that someone snuck up behind and hit them. Do you reckon they would have only got a three hundred dollar fine? Oh, special treatment for you know. Uh, oh, you bashed your conservative. That's okay. That's oh, their supporters on Twitter yeah. would demand that those people be strung up. That's right. Yeah, that you'd be across the front page of how to. So it is a it is a shocking, shocking precedent the Victorian uh, courts have, have set. Uh, I'm very disappointed that the news the Victorian police didn't uh, you know make an appeal against the 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 the, the, the ineffectiveness uh, of the fine. Because they're the ones who have to deal uh, with incidents down the track that say it's okay. So what? So you can sneak up behind Dan Andrews, bash him across the back of the head, and get a three hundred dollar fine. That's that's what the courts have effectively said. Which, well, we which saw is, which is shocking. Absolutely, it, it should not matter what political party that you come from. No, no, I'm certainly not uh, not, not encouraging any violence. We we should be uh, our, our politics should all be about the contest of ideas, about debate. Uh, not about bashing those, and uh, and not not about violence and thuggery, which which unfortunately this uh, this group uh, appears to see how they want to do how they conduct their business. Oh well, we saw uh, how emboldened these uh, well uh, they are uh, fascists, these so-called anti-fascists, both in in Melbourne and and Sydney. Uh, in Sydney, there was this they they called themselves the Community Action group for rainbow rights are uh, attacking that Christian Lives Matter rally. And then here in Melbourne, you had the socialist alternative uh, wanting to uh, assault uh, two groups, obviously the Let Women Speak on the on uh, the the steps of parliament and uh, the neo-Nazi provocateurs uh, who uh, were, were also in the uh, vicinity as, as well, and they were only held back by the Victoria uh, Police. Yeah, well, again, this this shows, you know, we've got to stamp down on all political violence uh, in this country. We've got, and, and this is also brought on away by what we see of this sort of cancel culture that, um, you know, if I disagree, we will see it coming from the left, left side of politics, as if they disagree with you, it's shut up, censor the person. Those that disagree with them, agree with them, they should be shut up, they should be censored, they should be deplatformed off social media. We don't want to hear their ideas. If we speak, it's okay for us to bash them, because we don't want to hear their ideas. When you allow that uh, that sort of ideology to permeate in society, which it currently is, it, it, the only result is going to be more violence on the streets, and that's not good. We've got to get back to the you know, the situation. Like, I, I, I enjoy people debating whether it's a subject of climate change or COVID. I, I love the challenge of the debate. I love I'm encouraging people, let's have public debates about these issues because that's how you come to the, the best results. And, you know, and, and often when you hear an alternate opinion on something, you may dismiss 99% of it, but there's often one little percent of it that helps you sharpen your argument, fine-tune your argument, fine-tune your policies, uh, and that's why this we've got to get back to a society that actually debates issues rather than like a, this shut up, 
cancel culture will smash you if you're wrong or censor you. Uh, now, one curious question I have it's quite it's it's quite a you could call you could call it a a left field uh, question. Uh, but how did the United Australia Party's awesome uh, jingle, uh, That's My Type of Party by the Polling Booze, which even people who hate the party, right, hate yes. you, hate Clive Palmer, uh, they, they, they admit that they, they love it. Uh, how did it get composed? Uh, and like, who were the musicians well, and funny, singers? It's funny, um, we're looking for like a campaign song or a, a, a campaign jingle. Uh, we approached uh, some pretty, uh, we had some pretty very popular uh, musical tunes, uh, you know, that we offered a lot of money for to have as our campaign, uh, uh, you know, both Australia and overseas to have it, to, if we could use them as our, our campaign jingle. And uh, these people uh, knocked knocked us back. Um, so we just had some local guys that came up with the tune. I tell you, it was better. <laughs> It was better than some of the other ones that uh, you know we're prepared to pay a lot of money for. So it's uh, that one there. You know, but that's my that's my kind of party. Is uh, uh, it's a great uh, it truly is a great fun. In fact, I was talking to a couple of young kids today, and they, they love country music. Oh, I love that song. I love your song, sort of thing. So it, um, it, was, it was it's really an inspiring uh, bit of an inspiring tune. And uh, I remember we played it at our campaign launch, and that it, uh, it raised the roof of the place. Uh, they they should have won an aria for that. It was was yes. that good. I, I know that uh, the party uh, released a a mashup, a video mashup uh, uh, to the 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 song uh, for the Victorian campaign. Is there going to be one for the the New South Wales campaign? Yeah, look, we're we're um, the New South Wales campaign is pretty uh, low key, so we can't uh, we can't use the United Australia Party name to um, uh, you know we can't have it on the ballot paper. Uh, you know, we can't effectively uh, use it, uh, which is very disappointing. Uh, you know, uh, under this absurd sort of eighteen months rule, you know, to think that uh, you think about how fluid the political situation is today, with how many new new issues are coming along, to think that in a in, in a democracy that you can't form a new political party within eighteen months of the election is just crazy. It, it, it's just anti-democratic stuff, and that's unfortunately we've got to, we've got here in uh, uh, in New South Wales. And there's no denying that'll affect your vote because people they they still vote uh, look for the party name and all they'll so see the is they, they talk people often complain how much uh, uh, money we spent at the last federal election but the reality is that what's vital is not how much money you spend but, but how much actually uh, airtime you get in the media right. And we were basically black banned. Uh, the ABC wouldn't uh, discuss us at all. Uh, the only segment the ABC did on us was one absurd segment where they accused us of uh, giving away free hats by you know, targeting uh, non-speaking English people. So we could, the ABC said, oh, well, we were out there and we said, oh, that person looks like they're a non-speaking English person. Go and give them a hat because they won't know what the Freedom logo means sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the ABC gives you a black ban and, uh, you know, the mainstream media gave us a black ban other than telling lies about us, uh, uh, defaming us, uh, you know, making up false stories. Uh, you know, I, I remember that the, even the Australian newspaper, uh, you know, a couple of days out before the election did this big exclusive interview about, they went through our candidates' background and found out, you know, one of our candidates had been in a 
fight at a pub when they were 21. And uh, yeah, you know, I remember that. And, and someone else had an AVO against them, uh, uh, you know, 30 years ago. So I think this was this big thing. At the mean, at the same time, they're cheering on you know, companies like Pfizer that had billions of dollars of criminal fines against them and saying, oh, it's okay, trust them, trust them, trust them. Uh, you know, we, we're going after our uh, going after our candidates. So uh, um, it's it's not easy to overcome. Uh, you know, when the mainstream media runs a campaign uh, directly targets you and runs directly against you and doesn't give you a a, a fair run election campaign. And the electoral laws in Victoria, they limit the ability of minor parties to advertise with the, the $4,000 uh, donation cap for the four yes. years. So uh, that, that's yeah, over the four. There's, there, there's, there's ways for the major parties, the Labor and Liberal Party, to get around all that. Right? So the major parties can get around uh, those laws, those electoral donation laws, and have you know, millions of dollars worth of funds flying into their campaign uh, coffers. Um, but it's very it's, it's different rules for the major parties as it is for the minor parties, uh, effectively the implementation of those rules, which again locks in this incumbency of the Liberal Labor Party duopoly and makes it hard, much harder for the minor parties to, to break through. Well, good luck uh, for next Saturday. I'm hoping, obviously, I don't get a vote as a uh, Victorian, uh, but I, obviously what states do especially big states by new south wales influences what happens uh, around the nation so if there is a big uh pro-freedom uh crossbench uh then that'll be a good thing regardless of who's premier because uh, there's really i mean you basically get big government blue or big government red on 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 oh, yeah. saturday so the upper great. house a message. Be. I have one final message um, look, whoever you vote for in the lower house, which is your local area, uh, please consider uh, my independent group or the other independent freedom-based parties that are there, because you don't. It is contrary to our uh, governance of our country to have the upper house as a rubber stamp for the lower house that just goes that doesn't scrutinise the legislation. And that's what will happen if the Labor Party win the Labor Party control the upper house. You just have these ticks on Labor Party policy where you want that scrutiny. And same for the Liberal Party. You want the scrutiny to their policies. You want the ministers to be scrutinised because that doesn't happen in the lower house. The legislation just goes through. You've got to have that check and balance in your upper house. So I'd appeal to anyone that's voting in the New South Wales election, you know, please consider yourself. And if you don't, please consider either any of the other... Uh, minor parties or independents in that upper house to prevent that concentration of power and to prevent one party controlling both houses of parliament. Well, we'll be covering the results uh, as as they roll in from when the polls close on, on 6pm. Uh, I'll extend an open invite if you want to uh, call in, uh, dial in uh, throughout the night. You'd be more than, more than you. welcome. It's going to be an interesting... Uh, Another uh, interesting night, interesting. will be interesting to see how, uh, especially what happens in Western Sydney, uh, where the Liberal Party, uh, you know, locked so many people down, applied different standards. Uh, we'll be looking at what happened in a, uh, someone like Matt Keane's seat, the energy minister who's done such damage to the Liberal Party, uh, has done such damage to the uh, infrastructure of the state, our power generation capacities, um, you know, who's almost his policies of the Liberal Party 
almost virtually guaranteed blackouts. Uh, you know, they put off the, we've got like, remember in Victoria, how you closed down, um, wasn't that, what was your name, your big power station, the Hazelwood power station Hazelwood. down there. Uh, we've got a similar thing happening here in New South Wales. Uh, they're closing what's known as the Liddell power station, but it's only closing, surprise, surprise, a couple of weeks after the election campaign. Uh, and after that, we're going to see electricity prices in New South Wales skyrocket. Uh, there's going to be risks of blackouts, uh, you know, this winter. Uh, and again, this is because of the failed policies of the Liberal Party not standing up. So that's Matt Keane's seat. Uh, very interested to see how he goes in his vote. Then there's obviously, well, one group the ABC does promote is the the Teals. Uh, thankfully, they didn't do well in the Victorian state election, but they're a very noisy bunch in the, the New South Wales election campaign. Yes, they are. Look, um, it'll be interesting to see how they go. Look, I think uh, uh, people people are turning off the teals. Uh, they realise that they were basically, you know, elected uh, under a fraud. Uh, you know, the teals are, you know, we're for integrity and we're for, uh, you know, fight corruption in government and transparency. Let, let me give you uh, one example. We've got this Quovax uh, study uh, in, in Queensland uh, being shut down by the Queensland government, an absolute disgrace. This should be one of the most important issues in the nation today. It's a study of 10,000 uh, people, uh, the, one of the largest in the world, to look at the vaccine safety and efficacy over a five-year period. It's being shut down because they don't like the data that's coming through. Uh, and yet we hear not a peep from the teals. Here we are seeing you know, uh, corruption, uh, breach of integrity, uh, and the teals are not interested whatsoever. You know, uh, it, it just shows them up for, you know, for what they are. Uh, they were just lackeys, uh, just lackeys of uh, you know big renewable uh, investors uh, that ran around thinking, believe you know, with the greatest virtue signals you've ever seen in my life. And don't get us either of us started on uh, Monique Ryan uh, down in Kuyong, uh, Miss. Put Where's your, your mask? Put your mask. Which, yeah, was, put your mask on. Put your mask on. Yeah, she, she was snap maskless again at the the footy on on Thursday night in with eighty eight thousand yeah, people. people so. just, these people are just complete hypocrites. You know? They they yeah. put a shirt <laughs> on uh, and, uh, they, and what is so they have this real totalitarian streak about them. I like this, you know, that uh, they are so superior and they are so virtuous and you know you will do what I was told. You know, like. Goodness me, you, you really want to, don't want to see these people anywhere near uh, the leaders of power. Oh, people mocked uh, the United Australia Party ads because it said, Craig Kelly, you're next uh, Prime Minister. Uh, but then, like, uh, Monique Ryan said that she wants to be Prime Minister. That certainly made me shudder. Yeah, well, the, the thing is, we were running 150, we were running candidates in every lower house seat. Uh, we, were given it, we were given it a go. We were given it a crack. We weren't going to die wondering. Uh, and it was theoretically possible that uh, you know, we had polling at, at certain stages showing that we were tw in the mid-20% in many electorates across the country. Uh, if we had have been able to keep the momentum going, uh, we would have won lower house seats. And who knows how many lower house seats we, we could have won. So we were actually in with a theoretical chance. Now, you can laugh about, you know, you can make jokes about that we weren't successful, but we were in with a theoretical chance. So what Monique Ron, what, what she's supposedly an independent, it just shows these people are not independents at all. They're part of this sort of like a, what they call them, I think the Gucci Greens uh, is is a good uh, example of them. They sort of you know, but they they'll go into coalition with the Greens and she'd be prime minister. You know, God help us if that ever happened in our nation. Yeah, uh, I 
shuddered when I when I heard that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> we could critique them uh, all night. Uh, but uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you uh, so much uh, for uh, returning to to Wilmsfront, and you're welcome uh, on the Unshackled's platform uh, anytime. Great, great to be. Hope to see you again very soon. Take care and Thank good you. luck. Thanks. All right, everybody, that's a, another Wilmsfront show. And, of course, tomorrow night is uh, Tim's News Explosion, 8.30 p.m. Melbourne time on the Unshackled's YouTube channel and uh, the Wilmsfront Odyssey and uh, Tim Wilms D-Live. Obviously, I'll be discussing the aftermath of the Let Women Speak event in Melbourne, uh, which included the, the sideshow with the Socialist Alternative uh, pro-transgender protesters and, of course, the National uh, Socialist Network uh, turning up uh, with their sign saying destroy pedo filth. Uh, so, obviously, that has been uh, dominating a lot of uh, discussion. And uh, I noticed that uh, it was great to meet uh, afterwards uh, Lady of Shalott and I'm a stupid moron with a, a big a big butt. We had a, a, a drink afterwards and uh, I'm a stupid moron with big butt has just informed me that uh, there is breaking news that there is a move in the Liberal Party to expel Moria Deeming. So let's just have a look at this. Uh, so opposition leader John Prosciutto will move to expel controversial Liberal MP Moira Deeming from the parliamentary party room after she attended a rally that has been associated with neo-Nazis. So again, the, the, the guilt by association uh, stuff. And so it, uh, it has here that, uh, uh, this is a statement by Prosciutto, the violence, prejudice and hate that these protesters conveyed by their odorous actions will never be acceptable in our state. I condemn them and commit to opposing such hate wherever it may exist, Prosciutto said in a statement on Sunday night. This afternoon I met with Moira Deeming MP who attended yesterday's rally. I discussed her involvement in organising, promoting and participating in a rally with speakers and other organisers who themselves have been publicly associated with far-right extremist groups, including neo-Nazi activists. Really? Um, I, that's not, uh, that's news to me. At our meeting, I informed Ms. Deeming that I'll move a motion at the next party room meeting to expel her as a member of the Parliamentary Liberal Party as her position is untenable. I mean, she was pre-selected by the branch members of the Western uh, Metro region. Uh, so that's basically uh, John Pesciuto is trying to coerce the parliamentary party room into kicking out a well democratically pre-selected and democratically elected uh, liberal MLC. So you can uh, see my report on the the day and also uh margot huss's uh report as well on the unshackled.net and also on the unshackled's youtube and unshackled's odyssey you can see uh my highlights package uh the i managed to condense uh two hours of footage down to to eight minutes of all of the what you what we what would you call the 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 confrontational uh bits there and so obviously I will cover what happened in Sydney with the uh, the Christian Lives Matter protesters uh, being 
uh, being well attacked by the coalition uh, uh, community action group for rainbow rights which is another socialist alternative front group uh lucas genius our uh antifa socialist expert uh he has written extensively about the uh, socialist marxist link of all these these groups we'll also talk about uh that traitor uh paul keating uh apologist uh simp sycophant for the chinese communist party be talking about his disgraceful performance at the the national press club last week we'll also talk about the banking crisis in the u.s and the possible arrest of donald trump so there's so much to talk about uh, tomorrow night uh thank you all uh for joining the discussion uh tonight i know noticed a few comments a lot of you wanted to get into more australia uh, united australia party policy obviously uh there was only an hour and and it was well a lot of it was sort of catching up with uh, uh what uh craig is experienced over the last uh, few years and uh and uh, also uh, where the United Australia Party is is at as well. You, of course, you can always go to the United Australia Party uh, website uh, to uh, see the, the there's still the same same policies uh, that uh, the United Australia Party have. So you can look it up there what uh, they they stand for there that um, that hasn't that it's all this all the, all the same and it's pretty if you followed craig kelly for many years it's pretty obvious what he stands for uh, i mean he's been very vocal in the the parliament and also uh, in uh, the media as well where when he was invited where when he was invited by i don't think he's ever he's he's been on sky news uh for years i think they i think after they fired alan jones they weren't prepared to have uh craig uh, craig kelly on at all but that's all for tomorrow night uh so thank you again for watching uh, make sure you check out the unshackled.net if you don't want to send through a super chat uh you can take out an unshackled membership at uh, the unshackled.net slash membership and also, uh, I'm in stupid more with a big butt. Thank you for the super drink uh, yesterday after, after uh, sh shouting me a, a drink. That was that was very nice. Uh, so it was bronze. It's bronze five dollars per month to support the unshackled. Silver ten dollars per month. Gold twenty five dollars per month. Platinum uh, fifty dollars uh, per month. So that's all for tonight, and I'll see you all. Uh, again tomorrow night 8 30 p.m melbourne time on the same channels so remember stay safe stay sane uh, stay free uh stay uh, <laughs> stay sane and uh also yeah just um uh, try and try and try and uh stay stay positive as well i would say as well that's that's my final message for tonight all right good night everybody Thanks for tuning in to Wilmsfront. Visit timwilms.com to view the archive of episodes. And keep visiting theunshackled.net to view all our shows. And to keep up with the latest real news and analysis.